Let's talk uh, Bitcoin future trading strategies. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. So, like, with, with you, like, what are you? What What is your um, your game plan for cryptocurrency vis-a-vis tax reform? I think just I'm just going to buy all of them. Like, so you're going to have some Ethereum, you're going to have some Ripple, you're going to have some Bitcoin, some Bitcoin yeah. Cash. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's like, they call that uh, diversification. Okay. You're gonna put you're gonna put like your all your house money in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The golden retriever fund. Right. Mm-hmm. That okay. Too. Yeah. Because you, you know our currency isn't actually backed by anything, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We just print money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, I can't really take this uh, the cryptocurrency thing. Yeah, kind of a weird month for <laughs> just I don't know Everything. currencies, the economy. But, it's yeah. I I don't know what switch flipped. Well, I, I know it flipped, but like in the past three weeks, of just why, uh, like fa- famous last words, but like why this is now a legitimate thing. I don't. I don't know. I yeah I to be honest I've only followed it from the edges I I haven't read any in depth article about why the increase has happened uh, the way that it has well because forty percent of Bitcoin is owned by a thousand people yeah but I has that is that a is that a new development though well but everybody thinks allegedly that all this crap is is like a decentralized bringing power back to the people currency of blah 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 blah. Which it isn't, anyway. But I like I but like all that stuff's been true for a while, right? So why I I, I don't think Bitcoin was always a thing where people like there, it, it's a fairly recent occurrence that people thought like money there was money to be made in this. Yeah. Other than like, just paying for black market stuff. Right. Anyway, we're not talking about this. This is our holiday episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll cut the opening out here. Yeah, you're familiar with uh, with the term that I guess Gruber and Merlin. Uh, coined of like that's now kind of common huh, podcast coin, parlance coined coined nice huh oh gross <laughs> i didn't know gross but you, you do you, you understand what holiday party means in the yes uh-huh. podcast parlance i yeah. do yeah that's not happening over here but I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't discourage people from doing that yeah no i, I it's not happening over here either although if, if skype continues to act the way that it is it it might have to become one yeah, so like less than a week after the net neutrality repeal, repeal <laughs> uh, for the life of us, we cannot. Uh, we we've been trying for twenty minutes to start the Skype call, and we live about uh, twelve miles away from each other. Right. Yeah. Um. Like trans based stuff is hard. I don't so. think we've we've never. I mean, I don't even feel like I need to knock on wood because it's happening now. But prior to this, I don't think we've ever had any sort of major Skype issues in the like three four years we've been doing this. Have have we? No, but I also wouldn't peg it on Skype. Yeah, I think this is definitely a specifically me Comcast issue. Yeah. I can't complain too much because, I mean, Comcast, like, well, for me, like it's been fairly rock solid for me. So I, I whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you even have internet way up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we got running water a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And, yeah. That's progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I just go, I just go down a few paces to get some churned butter and... Right. It's... Mm-hmm. It's right next to the blue barn. You know what? No, we 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 are. Oh, actually, never mind. Sorry. Uh, I sounded Canadian for a second. Uh, <laughs> your 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 call quality right now is so poor. I can't even tell. Sorry, I said sorry with a very uh, strong emphasis on the O. So it sounded like uh, yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Canadian podcasts. Um, as as one does, yeah. Um. God, what, what the hell was I going to talk about? Oh, so I, a couple things on this 
uh, weird interconnection. So again, this 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 conversation, which probably be um, briefer than normal because this is being recorded off of a very poor uh, mobile hotspot cellular connection. But the one thing I I I am happy about or I found amusing in troubleshooting this is I suggested for you to test your internet connection by going to a website you don't go to often uh, yeah, to yes. make sure nothing was cached and your your suggestion was foxnews.com <laughs> well I know, that's what I, that's what I did <laughs> no and that's what I did as well because I'm like <laughs> yep never visited on this computer and of course um, while trying to troubleshoot it it was stuck on resolving host for like 15 seconds and didn't load after a full two minutes so yeah so my, my traditional wired connections having some trouble, but that's okay. Yeah. We're going to power through because we're, we're gosh darn professionals. Re, and, re, remind, remind me again and, and the listeners here, what, what is your, what's your network setup again? Like you, you, you have Eros, but you also have something else involved. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah. Okay. Like, so we'll, we'll get into this, but I am again, just like my, my iPad that I'm going to throw into the bay. <laughs> I'm going to throw these Eros in the bay as well. So my, my network configuration, don't, don't be creepy. Don't, don't hack me, uh, is a Motorola <laughs> surfboard 63 something something uh, cable modem, which generally no issues, which feeds into a, um, a Ubiquiti Edge router, which uh, is a hardware router, which then has all my, uh, which as, then as goes opposed into a, to a, as opposed to a software router. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, I, is, that, is that a thing or did I make a bad joke? Why did you specify hardware router? Because... Actually, I mean, I, I think that's a valid question. Um, like the Eero, if you just use the Eero on its own, it has inside of its own firmware and software runs a software router, whereas the hardware router has plugs directly into your cable modem. And then that, which does all the routing in a separate device that has like its own like Linux installation and, and crap on it, then oh. feeds into a, a 10 port Netgear switch, which then feeds into the Eero. So the, like the the edge router thing is actually for how much of a pain in the ass it was to set up is actually amazing and rock solid. Huh. Like when I was having the uh connectivity problems I tried uh grabbing a file off the Synology just to make sure that the wired network was fine. And no, that that was running at 400 megabytes per second and so no, that was great. This is stuff that nobody cares about, so we're not going to talk about this. <laughs> but <laughs> It will the the end the end product of the podcast will sound just like normal exactly because yeah local recordings and such uh huh um so yes yeah, so a net neutrality it, it has nothing to do with that but also yeah so that's dead that's cool in memoriam yeah they'll 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 do a thing at the Oscars for it <laughs> yeah um uh yeah okay so. Actually, I think that's probably it for that kind of stuff. Um, let's let's jump right into follow up because it's gonna be kind of a, a busy episode. And let's, uh, I don't have my my cell phone, my Google Pixel battery is only halfway, <laughs> and I don't have USB C on my desk. So let's let's, let's get this going. Okay. Um, <laughs> so follow up, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So this we should say is this this is the last episode of 2017. So we'll have somewhat of a regular episode here up front, and then we'll in some way do a year in review that somehow isn't eight hours long well because we're not gonna talk about politics so that's yeah okay yeah that's that's true um all right so yeah let's get into it so the follow-up uh we mentioned last week that the workouts plus plus app received an update for both the iphone and apple watch and the the headlining feature there at least for me was podcast integration i was very excited about this 
the way it was described was that there are options to either stream the podcast if you have a, a Series 3 uh, cellular watch, or you could also download podcasts to the watch in a similar fashion as I do with Watch Player. So I tried this shortly after the show last week and overall have been immensely disappointed. The, the idea is good, but the execution is just not there. The biggest example is when you subscribe to a podcast, there's a separate podcast page in the app. When you subscribe to a podcast, all you get is a list of like the most recent 30 or 40 episodes. And those all just show up in your podcast list. There's, there's only one page that shows you all your podcasts. So if you subscribe to multiple podcasts, you just get this longer and longer list of, of episodes that just keep piling up in there. And so it's just it's just impossible to find individual episodes that you may want to listen to. And then the the process of actually downloading uh, the podcast to your Apple Watch, if you want to not go the streaming route, I had some trouble getting the streaming to work at all. But and so I tried the downloading option and that works basically exactly the same way as Watch Player and takes just about as long. And that's neither the fault of workouts plus plus or watch player that's just limitations that apple's so far put on the apple watch but in any case um i ended up just going back to my default workouts app with watch player combination and that's that's continued to work just fine okay well that's that's a bummer because i know you were really like I, that's a strange but uh, but it's a workflow that you really want to happen and it's it's having trouble happening so that's that's about well, it just it, it's just it's just silly that I I have this perfectly capable streaming device that now you know can stream music just fine in in my Apple Watch and Apple just hasn't not allowed for podcast developers to to tap into that which is frustrating and I I, I you know honestly like I'm I'm the first to raise my hand when I think a complaint of mine or an issue of mine is somewhat of a of, of an edge case. I feel like wanting to listen to podcasts on your watch, like that, that can't be all that niche of a thing, right? I I think it is. Huh. Okay. I mean, I, because uh, does, uh, does Apple Podcasts, I, uh, I know you don't use that, but does that sync? Like, let's say you use the built-in podcast application and you have an iPhone and an iPad. Does that sync? I believe it does. I've, I've never I've never done it, but I want to say that when that app was first rolled out, that was one of the features that was highlighted. Okay, because I mean, I think that's probably part of it, but yeah, I don't know. I think that is probably more of an edge case. I think we probably still greatly overestimate how many people listen to podcasts. I know like our show has like a, a 20% market share like nationwide, like one in five people listens to this. Right. But I I, I think we're it's probably... I think I think the people that use their watch as a standalone device on cellular want to use Bluetooth earbuds and listen to a podcast is probably super low, man. I think you're an edge case. Or I don't think you're an edge case, but I think in the grand scheme of uh, you know, the Apple that um wants to cater to the to the majority of its user base and I guess maybe doesn't think this is important. Um and and I and for this one thing, as much as crap as I will give Apple, I think that's probably not that far off or something that, that like you should give much blame to them for um i don't know maybe ios 12 and watch west 5 or whatever it is 
Yeah, I I, I kind of think that too, but I, I could also see it just not happening. Well, and then here's here's the other question. Um, uh, like the uh, would you switch your podcast app? Yeah, I think we discussed this when we were speculating about this even prior to Series 3 coming out. I, I probably would if, if it was really tight native Apple Watch integration and you could only get it through the default podcast app. I, I probably would because I'm a really light. I mean, I, I really like Overcast. I like it a lot, but I'm a, I'm a really light touch. Oh, uh, God. Po- yeah, God I know. I, I, God. I, realize, I realized what I did the second I said it and I, and I didn't mean to. <laughs> um, let's go let's go back to the framework of light touch regulation that allowed podcasts to thrive for the past 15 years ugh. and anyway th- this is this is somewhat like the the tivo discussion which i'm not really sure we've had a full fleshed conversation about on the show or if that's been mostly off air but it's the same thing where i think the issues you're having are a result of you just being a, a more heavy user of tivo and me just being kind of a a casual user i feel the same way about podcasts i just that's the most polite I, way of saying i'm old no it, that i'm seriously that, that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that you're a you 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 use tivo much more heavily than i do like you get into a lot of features that i just don't touch and i i think like for me overcast is the same way where i don't use probably 75 percent of what that app can do so if i moved to something like the apple podcast app i, I like i don't really think i'd be missing too much yeah i know you don't listen to uh, atp but uh like a few episodes ago john had a thing where somehow i forget if it was him who who if it was he who thought the idea up or it was somebody else but uh his autobiography was going to be uh i know nobody cares but i do care and i care a lot <laughs> that's basically me and tivo and everything else like that i'm like that i care that yeah like i don't know I find it's perplexing that some people don't care about weird things. And I know you're like, and, and you're probably the same about other things, but, um, like podcast support on the Apple watch. <laughs> yeah. I think you're trying to make fetch happen. Like you're trying, you're, this is like a weird, weird. I think that's a super niche use case, even for me, man. I don't like, but I think this probably speaks to like, you're young at heart and I'm old where I just still can't imagine doing like linking Bluetooth headphones to the Apple watch. And doing any type of like media play, but like just using that as a standalone device and expecting the battery to last more than four minutes is just such a weird concept to me. Well, like, you know, that makes me sound like somebody who like writes checks still and is afraid of online banking, but like it's scary. Uh, I mean, I I don't know, man. Like the the Bluetooth the Bluetooth headphone connection to your Apple Watch is literally the same pairing process as like to your iPhone. I mean, it's really really easy. And in terms of battery life, I, you know, it's, it's about 9.45 p.m. here. I've had my watch on since, I don't know, about 8 o'clock this morning. I went on a 40-minute run without my phone while streaming a podcast using Watch Player, and my battery's at 61% right now. So Yeah, but since you were working out, you're doing, like, regenerative, like, charging like it's a Prius. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. I did, Apple didn't talk about that. No, no, their keynotes are too jam packed. They got gotta, it. Got they it. Gotta talk about the town squares. Uh huh. Um, well, we're we're on the first item of follow up. We're never going to get through this. Okay. So workouts plus plus was for your specific dream. Uh, no, it did not pan out. More like workouts minus minus. Am I right? 
I want to clarify that this is not latency <laughs> from the mobile hotspot that, I, that I'm not so silent. I'm using silence to judge you. Yeah, we'll we'll probably we'll, we'll fix that in post. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, I think I still have access to the thing where I can replace the file where I can just add. <laughs> I have Adobe Audition on here. I can I can I can add silence. Um, okay. Uh, one last bit of uh, home theater follow up for the year as chief uh, OLED lobbyists in residence. Um, HDMI cables and HDR and that kind of stuff. I think this is something that you had said you wanted to talk about, and when I was because I, I I've been doing basically everything that you have done related to this television like a week behind basically <laughs> um so i got uh this tv wall mounted and everything i think on thursday of last week and yeah so i was wiring up everything and i was like okay uh the cable that i was using before just because like the tv has you think it's it you you seem to like the um hdmi port placement i i don't but whatever but it does uh, require slightly longer cables, at least in my case, for um, running them. Since my cable, since my wall mount, kind of uh, like all the cable channels are kind of in the middle and just go straight down, which makes sense. But it requires a longer cable. Anyway, so I was using, I was looking for an HDMI cable to use for the Apple TV, and I tried two of them, and uh, they didn't work. Or it, it, they would work, but then you would uh, turn on the. Uh, it would say like this does this maybe support uh dolby vision and then it would try and then it would be blank for 20 seconds and then the cable would be like nope and then you would say okay well fine let's try four colon two colon something hdr and it'd be like nope so then i had to throw away a bunch of hdmi cables and i found one a uh, really thick one i got from monoprice a long time ago and that one apparently does work and i think that's just weird or at least I maybe I I know there have always been like different HDMI specs and that kind of stuff, but I I think your experience was similar where it's kind of it wasn't even the newer cables that ended up being successful with this. Well, so my my experience I actually don't know if I told you the entire story, but my experience I think is even crazier. Where so when I had set up my whole home theater setup uh, about a year ago. A bunch of my HDMI cables and just cables in general were kind of older, so I, I used the the home theater kind of refresh as an excuse to to buy some newer cables. And to your point about the HDMI port placement, it was kind of similar on the Samsung TV that we had, where they were kind of off to the side. So I also needed some longer HDMI cables in addition to again just kind of wanting to start fresh with some of that stuff. Um, and so as part of that process, I had bought a bunch of just the, you know, Amazon basics HDMI cable and on, on their page, you know, they label it as like, you know, late, latest HDMI spec supports 4k at 60 frames, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm not the, the monster cable type. Like I don't, I don't believe in, in that kind of stuff. So like for me an Amazon basics cable, you know, made, made perfect sense. And those have been working fine over the last year until this, uh, Apple TV 4K and OLED TV. Um, I I plugged in the Amazon ba- one of the Amazon Basics cables that I've had since last year, and only on the the home menu and in the screensavers, the image every 10 to 15 seconds or so would would flicker, or like part of the image would flicker, like almost like with these kind of like colored lines that would just briefly flash on the screen. And so I thought, well, okay, I mean, the easiest thing to try here would be just to uh, swap out the cable. 
So I plugged in another one of the exact same Amazon Basics cables, and that one just didn't work at all. There was there was no no image on the screen at all. I didn't even get to the 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 part where I could you know, like turn Dolby Vision on or off or turn that chroma sampling setting to anything else. Like literally just no image and with the exact same cable. And that cable worked perfectly fine, like plugged into my Nintendo Switch and plugged into other devices. It was literally just that other Amazon Basics cable plugged into the Apple TV 4K that wouldn't work. And my ultimate solution to this was exactly the same as yours. I went to my big mess of cables in a <laughs> bin that I have, found, actually, ironically, a monoprice cable that I had bought, I don't know, some number of years ago, plugged that into the Apple TV 4K, and it, it's worked great. You know, sports Dolby Vision, all that stuff have not had a, a single issue since, <laughs> which is just... It's just kind of maddening. Yeah, but now that you describe it, it actually does kind of make more sense, though. But but how how so? With like two of the supposedly the exact same cables, one that sort of worked and one that didn't work. Well, so the cables that didn't work, where were they from? They, I'm saying they were both the exact same Amazon Basics cable. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the first word of that. <laughs> They've got a particular type of relationship with apple and oh oh that's oh it's it's the the untold story of the amazon apple feud i get it yeah yeah it runs deep you might be onto something yeah did you try it after the prime video (laughs) app launched i once 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 the the the, uh seattle cupertino turf wars um kind of thought a little bit gosh you know what i i didn't huh maybe i'll maybe i'll give that a try yeah the only the only thing I'll say, which is is nice, is that I I thought of doing this because I had been seeing this flickering issue while we just had the TV sitting on the stand before we wall mounted it. So I I thought it important to try to resolve this issue before we before we went through the wall mounting process. And fortunately, I I did that. So I mean, I I could have swapped out the cable and it wouldn't have been too difficult post wall mounting. But it better to better to have just resolved that beforehand. Yeah. So anyway, that that's kind of a weird thing, but overall, yeah, still extremely satisfied with the TV. Oh yeah, no, the TV TV's real nice. Although, um, definitely um, <laughs> good advice on your part with the OLED light and brightness settings, because I've definitely noticed sometimes I, I'll get a little bit of eye strain after watching the TV, and I think it's because I I think my OLED light was literally at like ninety or hundred <laughs> percent. Well, yeah, again, like I talked about this, where it's uh, even when you selected like this is not in a TV, this is not in a Best Buy showroom, like the home mode defaults to a hundred, yeah, which like even during daytime, like just like burns your retina, like that's. <laughs> no, I think I think last week's show you described it as eye searing, and I, I think that's that's an apt description. I I I I still need to play around with this some. I I did initially take your advice. And knock that all that OLED light all the way down at like twenty five percent or points, whatever. I found that to be a little too dark, so I think I I've got it at like fifty now. But I'm not gonna yeah, mess play with it. mess around. But like to look at a maybe pull up a show uh, or like play a show that you you know what it's supposed to look like, or maybe has like human skin tones and stuff. And because it's all gonna vary depending on your room and ambient lighting and that kind of stuff. But to be really careful, like just to like not get used to a TV that's miscalibrated. Yeah, where just everything because like out of the box, like 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 skin tones had like no there was like no nuance there. It was all it was just too contrasty. Yeah, well, and a little 
pro tip for you that I found out when I was messing around with settings is so when you're so the the Xbox One is a good example. I don't know if the Apple TV would be the same, although it it might. Where it's like the Apple or the Xbox One rather, it doesn't do um, HDR like when it's just on the home menu. It, it it flips into HDR when either you're playing a game that supports it or a Blu-ray that supports it, and the TV will correspondingly not be in any sort of hdr mode when you're on the menu and then you'll notice like when you start a game or start a movie that little hdr 10 logo just like the dolby vision logo will pop up in the the right hand corner and your tv flips into different settings when that happens so like specifically what i mean is that when i texted you last night to get the settings again i was in a game on the xbox and went through and and changed those brightness settings but then noticed as soon as I went back to the menu, the screen all of a sudden got super bright again. And I went into the menu and noticed that the picture mode had switched off of HDR and it had reset all of the settings. So you, you need to set the settings in, in both places with something like the Xbox. Yeah, if you, if you find a way to turn off the thing in the upper right corner of telling you what mode you're in, I would greatly appreciate it. I, I kind of I actually kind of like that. Why? It's just I don't know. It's just it's just kind of reassuring that it's actually working. I just get like any t- any time the the uh, Apple TV screensaver comes on, it it just has this Dolby Vision thing in the upper corner. I, I hate it. Yeah, I just I've I've just had such a scarring experience in the past with trying to get HDR to work on that stupid Samsung TV that I I just like to know that it's on. <laughs> it's just affirmation. That... Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So I think that does it for follow-up. So let's move on. So carried over from last week. So the the Disney uh, 20th, 21st century. It used to be called 20th Century Fox, right? And then when 2000 happened, they changed it. I'm not crazy, right? Oh, man. I've never thought about that. I don't know. I'm not going to Google this, but my connection's too slow. 20th Century <laughs> Fox name change. Uh i mean that would that would make a lot of sense i've never but i've never thought of it huh apparently according to deadline hollywood which is giving me an interstitial ad uh 20th century fox is sticking to its new name however they do have a separate company called 21st century fox okay anyway um so yeah so disney has a uh, negotiated deal for i think like 52 and some odd billion dollars uh, pending regulatory approval, but I hear they've got friends in high places. Um, they are going to purchase much of Rupert Murdoch's assets, um, excluding Fox News and a few and, and a few of their sports assets. Um, and they're going to have one hell of a content library under the uh, Mickey Mouse brand. Yeah, well, um, there, there's there a handful of good links that we found throughout the week, which do a, a better job of explaining all the nuances than you or I could. So we'll put those all in the notes. It's, you know, I, I the more that I've thought about it over this last week, so we, you know, we talked about it on the show last week, and then I think it became sort of officially announced the following day. I, so I, I don't think a lot of, um, a lot of our priors have changed as you and Nate Silver would say, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, the more that, more that I think about it, the more I think, this is about their their streaming plans and Disney now really recognizing that the future of content distribution is streaming and they not only realize that them 
previously providing their content to Netflix is what allowed Netflix to become what it is. But they, or or at least in part, I mean, and that's, yeah, I, I should rephrase that, in, in part, because Netflix has done a lot on, on their own too, which I think they deserve a lot of credit for. But Disney not only recognizes that that's not in their best interest, but now they're in a position where they feel like they need to catch up and compete with Netflix because that that space, that streaming space is where this is all going and Disney doesn't want to be left behind. So I really think that that's the primary driver with with them picking up Fox. So that that seems like the case. I uh, yeah, I would push back on your thing about Netflix. I think I think it's it it's very weird. Just cuz like Disney they 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 own a lot of uh they have a lot of um intellectual property with a lot of different characters and franchises and kind of stuff like that that's very important but also if you think about like just kind of the core disney media properties like abc and espn and that kind of stuff they've actually in a lot of ways been very um they've been on the forefront of they've been playing catch-up and also been on the forefront of a lot of things like abc was one of the first um television networks to allow you to stream television shows like i think even back in like I think like the early college years, I think like in 2007, like you could stream high definition versions online uh, before even Hulu was a thing. And then ESPN with the watch ESPN service was one of the first for that, even before that became commonplace. Um, I know they've had some issues where they used to have a separate application and they well actually, now that goes back a long way. They used to have a thing called ESPN 360, which then became ESPN 3 which then became Watch ESPN, which is now just a tab inside of the ESPN app. So, like, they've, they've been at this for a while, and they've been trying. And Disney has been kind of solidifying its plans for how to figure out how to get ahead of the cord-cutting thing, where, like, last... Was it earlier this year or last year when they bought a controlling stake inside uh, Major League Baseball's streaming thing? Yeah, I, I had forgotten about that until... Um... Bill Simmons and Ben Thompson mentioned it on today's Bill Simmons podcast, but I think that was somewhat recent. Yeah, so I mean, all all the pieces are coming in, in into play, are getting set into place for them, which makes sense because Netflix, for the most part, kind of other than sports, seems kind of unstoppable. Like they they they've had some really well-received and 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 just high quality original content they have enough scattered back catalog stuff from other people that keeps people interested whether it be uh bbc programs or like old nbc's or like like maybe three-year-old nbc sitcoms and stuff like that like there's enough in there coupled with the originals that make netflix even despite the price hikes which nobody batted an eye for um a few months ago uh, like they're kind of unstoppable, and then you have stuff with Hulu, which like they maybe they they make a much smaller set of original content compared to Netflix, but they still make some. Amazon makes some, and they're and they're going to keep doing that because I guess they think that's a value add for Prime and maybe something that's going to sell uh, Fire TVs. And then Apple, for some reason, is going to make original content because for some reason they need to get in on this because they're not too busy making thousand dollar iPhones, but. Disney kind of, they don't have a marquee streaming service. It's either stuff that is reliant on cable, which video subscriptions are shrinking, even though I was with somebody who was saying, yeah, cord cutting isn't a thing. Unfortunately, it actually is a thing now. 
so like they need to figure out what they're going to do because they have a gigantic library of top-notch content that people love that has been kind of been getting sold to Netflix in in bits and pieces and has been kind of scattered around their different cable networks but there's going to be fewer eyeballs in that in the future so they kind of need to figure out what they're going to do and it sounds like with their library plus stuff that they might acquire through the Fox acquisition like that's probably a compelling service to charge $12 a month for which means it's going to be yet another yet another thing you have to subscribe to but like it makes sense long term because would you would you pay for even pretending this acquisition wasn't going to happen would you pay for a Disney slash ABC only streaming service if it was thirteen dollars a month? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It, it depends on. Well, like it, it really depends. I guess mostly on what would what's going to happen to Disney movies. So I'm I'm not someone who watches anything on ABC. So like from like for TV shows, I I wouldn't be missing out on anything if I didn't subscribe to that service. But with movies, if if that becomes sort of like the way to get a first run viewing of the latest Star Wars movie when it comes out or something, like I mean, after its theatrical run, then I mean, maybe I guess. And obviously, too, I mean, I, th- I think like a, a big part of the equation for the Disney question is whether or not you have kids, right? Because I mean, if you have kids and they're they're into Disney stuff, then then obviously the service becomes kind of a no brainer. And that's you know that that's that's obviously a a big segment of their market and and someone who they will most certainly target with whatever streaming service they ultimately come out with. Well, so but so do you think your inclination to subscribe to that type of thing changes when you factor in the uh, the Fox Television and movie uh, content? Yeah, I mean, but yeah, potentially, potentially. I mean, it, again, it sort of it sort of depends on. Because like what I'm not really clear on is when this service comes out, and, and again I'll I'll stick with Star Wars as the example. Movie comes out in theaters, does its theatrical run, is getting ready to come out for its uh, you know home release. How does this service fit into that? Like I I presume that if this is a twelve or thirteen dollar a month service, I'm not just going to be able to instantly stream the latest Star Wars movie when it comes out on blu-ray and on and, and itunes and stuff like that well no because i mean I, I i'm not intimately familiar with the star wars franchise but i assume it's kind of like the the taylor swift of disney right in the sense that that's the type of content where you can still charge first run separate like purchase to own rights in a world where everything's moving towards streaming right taylor swift is star wars just to clarify right yeah yeah um yeah i mean that's 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 weird so what with the acquisition uh, again if it goes through but it will uh what what is what what is being retained by by runock and what and what is coming along well so most is going along it's only kind of pieces that are left so there, the Murdoch is retaining the the Fox network because I, I somewhere I had read so there there are laws on the books where a single entity can't own more than one of the major broadcast networks. So since Disney already owns ABC, they would not be allowed to own Fox. So that's staying. Although interestingly, Fox Studios is not staying; it's going to Disney. So 
Fox is now going to be a network without a studio, which I think Jason Snell's done a good job over the last week explaining sort of why that's so crazy. Long story short, networks are becoming more and more reliant upon their own studios to produce content because that's by far and away more profitable than buying other people's content to then just simply uh, distribute on your network. Um, the the sports side is one of the more interesting pieces where, you know, obviously sports that run just on like Fox, like proper, mostly the NFL, that's staying. Um, Fox Sports 1 is staying, but then the Fox Sports regional networks are going which is which is really fascinating and i am not really i'm i'm def i'm not clear on how that fits into to disney's strategy like i I definitely think that between this news and with all of the major sports coming up for renewal you know at at some point in the next five to ten years it's just going to be fascinating to see who goes after what and who ultimately ends up with what because it's it's kind of hard to imagine one of the major sports becoming sort of a a, a streaming first, um, or be, be looking to streaming first as being like their primary way to to watch games. But it kind of feels like that has to happen eventually, I guess. Does it? Or but won't? Uh, sorry, uh, please write your letters to to somebody else. But like, isn't it probably going to end up being one of those sports that only has like a weird niche audience? Isn't going to be like a because actually, I think um, it might have been Ben Thompson on that episode that I just listened to, where like is it, doesn't NBC Sports have like a English Premier League soccer thing going? They do, yeah. Like, won't it be one of those things where because like the NFL is probably and, and the NBA, like all of those are just there's too much money to be made where they're already able to um, split that across maybe like five or six like key uh networks and 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 content distributors that are that are getting that stuff so they're getting paid um and that's the kind of stuff that happens to be part of a standard cable package where even though the uh the games are being served up by five or six different companies and networks to the end user it doesn't actually really matter that much because they just change the channel and they can they can find whatever they want so i don't i don't ever see or I see it like being a long time in the future that Major League Baseball or the NFL goes like I, I don't think like NFL Sunday Ticket ever becomes like the norm. Like I don't, I don't think anybody is ever going to say to watch football you literally have to to pay two hundred dollars a year. And I don't think any uh, streaming service ever pays all the money to be the sole distributor of that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and since you know more about sports than I do, like maybe you can explain something to me. Uh, when I was looking at the Prime Video app uh, a few days ago, uh, like there are, there's one, there's literally one football game yeah. in it. Like I, I've seen that, like there's been like stories and like hubbub about like Amp, like Yahoo and, and then I think Twitter like last year streamed like some football game that happened that was played in like England or something. Like what is that about? Yeah, so the 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 regular Sunday games, and I what I mean by that are the 10 a.m. Pacific, the 1 p.m. slash 1:30 p.m. Pacific, and then Sunday night football and Monday night football. Those those batch of games are those have been locked with 
NBC, NBC, Fox, and ESPN. But the the NFL has played around a lot with games in other time slots. So that's primarily been Thursday night football. And then they've also been doing these really early Sunday morning games over in London. And with so with, with the London games, yeah, Yahoo was the primary streamer and really primary way to watch one of the London games either this year or last season. And then Thursday night football, that was Twitter last year. And it's been Amazon this year. So the NFL has shown a willingness to to play around with, I mean, really, what, what are their kind of their lesser time slots, which, I, I mean, again, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not the most crucial games, but I don't know. I see that as being like at least sort of their first dipping of the toe in water around potentially looking towards streaming as being a more prominent form of distribution sure yeah i just i i just i maybe i don't see where like do you do you then have to like just as a fan like how do you know when when stuff is on like do you have to be like oh this this one's on uh, this one's on yahoo this week but week week 15 the uh carolina something or other are playing the uh what's what's the team that harry enton loves <laughs> the buffalo bills yeah, the the Carolina something or others are playing the Buffalo Bills, and that's on Alta Vista this week. Like, what? This this is too much work. Like, it, it just having having weird one off deals. Like, like I, why would somebody tune into something on Twitter if it's literally like one? Why are you going to Twitter for video? And just why? No, I th- I think you're you're bringing up a, a really good point. I, I don't think this is exactly what you were trying to get into, but it, it's it's what I thought of, which is we've talked a ton on the show about how we don't really think the pricing of all this over the top or IPTV streaming stuff like that just it, the the economics of it don't make a ton of sense. You end up just paying as much if not more than what you pay for your regular cable. But I, I think one thing that we haven't necessarily talked a lot about with all this streaming stuff is it's also just a shittier experience. I mean, mm-hmm. again, complain all you want about Comcast, which <laughs> probably we, pro- we probably <laughs> Wrong could week to, to say that. Yeah, we probably could tonight. But normally, we're we're generally pretty happy with it. I mean, honestly, I mean, watching TV, uh, especially given that we both have TiVos as well, is a way way I, I, I better and TiVo. easier. Ex- oh, yeah, let's let's get into that. Um, <laughs> But it, it, it's a way better experience than fumbling around trying to find content on Apple TV. And I, I get that Apple's come out with the TV app and they're trying to unify that stuff. But they, they have hardly had anybody sign up for that. And I don't know why anybody really would. Only if somebody wants to play ball with that. Because right, like the whole exactly. the future of TV is apps. I like it's bullshit because I don't want to have to buy, download a whole bunch of apps for that. And then like Twitter has an app that I assume hasn't been updated in two years on the Apple TV. And then do I want – if I want to go watch the Giants versus the – the What's another? I actually do know baseball. Why don't Why don't I know this? The the Giants versus the who are they playing against? The Giants versus the Dodgers. Like, do I want to go make sure Silverlight is updated so that uh, I can watch it <laughs> on uh, Excite dot com? Like, I I don't. This is like that's a decidedly worse experience, and I don't want. Like, I don't think the viewing public needs to be the the beta testers for all this crap while people while everybody else is figuring out their business models. 
because like here's and here's the thing like uh espn or like disney like it's widely rumored that they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with an espn over the top service because right as of right now you can't buy espn without a cable subscription right correct so like what what does that end up looking like because that that sure as hell is not going to be part of a 13 dollar a month uh disney slash fox streaming service I guess I should I, I should modify the answer there. I I think you can get ESPN as part of some of the streaming bundles that are out there. Well, but not like Sling TV or Google like YouTube yeah, yeah, TV, yeah. right? No, no, like just like I go to ESPN dot com and and I say I want to watch Kobe Bryant not be a Laker anymore, um, and 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 they won't sell that to me. There's not there there's not the HBO Now equivalent for ESPN. No. Yeah. Like, so you need some middleman in the form of Sling TV or right. YouTube TV or PlayStation something or other. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like, I don't know. Again, if this gets approved, that like, it, 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 I think this is a much more compelling, um, like, these two brands together are a more compelling offering to compete against Netflix and that type of stuff. But the one thing I think that does bring up and that I think is, is fairly interesting is that, uh, if you think back five years ago, back when Netflix streaming used to be called Netflix Watch Instant, and there was just like a small select amount of stuff that you didn't get on plastic discs sent through the U.S. Postal Service to your home and you could watch online, I don't think anybody five years ago, other than Reed Hastings and some people inside Netflix, would have said that, you know what, like this is going to be the future and we are going to have 40 original series, and we are going to be the leading producer of uh, stand-up comedy, and we're going to do all this stuff, and people are going to be paying $13 a month for this, and they're going to feel that Netflix is as indispensable as running water. No, I mean, exactly. You you cannot give enough credit to what Netflix has done, and in, particularly in light of this potential Disney 21st Century Fox merger, this is what they needed to do. I mean, think about how completely devastating this news would have been and the news of Disney even starting their own streaming efforts uh, to begin with, how devastating that would have been to Netflix had they not had this really compelling library of original content. I mean, they, I'm, I'm sure we've had this exact conversation before, but they, I mean, they've, they've known exactly where the industry is going. They knew that people wanted to get discs in their home instead of going to blockbuster they knew that people wanted to start streaming movies instead of uh, having them mailed to their home via a disc and then they knew that eventually these content companies were gonna wake up and realize hey why are we just dumping all of our content on netflix which is now a huge competitor of ours and so netflix has decided that the way to combat that is coming up with their own content i mean they've just they've been They've been a step ahead of the game the the entire time, and so again, yeah, they they deserve a a ton of credit. But with all that being said, I I do buy into the idea, and this we, I, I put this in the notes already. This Bill Simmons uh, podcast episode from today with Ben Thompson because it was really good. But I I definitely agree with the sentiment that Ben Thompson had, which is, I mean, this Disney offering, assuming that they don't massively screw something up about it is is it's going to be really really compelling and it, it's going to give netflix a run for their money i mean there there have been the hulus and other services around the edges which have been kind of cute but have ultimately not really moved the needle much 
But this this Disney service, I think it's not going to put Netflix out of business, but it definitely it's definitely going to be a, a rival for them going forward. And I, I think basically what I'm saying is that all of the incredibly smart things that Netflix has done and, and will probably continue to do is basically just giving them a chance to now compete with this behemoth. And had they not done all that stuff, they would have been in a really, really bad spot. Yeah. Content, content is expensive. Uh, very, very last thing related to this. Do you have any con- concerns? Is probably the wrong word, but any thoughts on, uh, cause like Disney is, is weird in the sense that they're kind of Apple ish where, how do I, okay. I, I got to rethink how I was going to phrase Cause I was gonna say they have morals except when, except when they don't want to, um, like where they do want to be family friendly, but except like if there's money to be made, it's not always that family friendly and Fox, not that they like make like trashy content like i mean like what where do you think the reconciliation between um one brand that for the most part does try to make maybe p3 pg13 at most content like how does that how does that the content type get reconciled yeah we briefly touched on this last week it it's definitely a concern and i think more broadly than that conversation just the idea that there is now one less creative voice when it comes to content and this is this is movies this is tv this is this is news news less so but um because because it's staying independent of disney but you you do have to start worrying a little bit when there are fewer and fewer voices in the crowd i mean we already sort of have this phenomena that's happened with the internet where people can really now just listen read and watch stuff that they already agree with and it feels like that's just going to be even easier to do and is even going to be more influential when there are fewer options to choose from to begin with and so i i worry i worry a little bit about that yeah especially since i i assume since they're probably taking over all of fox's movie studios like again they have i think like fox searchlight and a few others that are more they're more like art housey um brands i hope i hope a lot of that actually survives and they yeah that that, that this doesn't make one monolithic company that has a certain vision and, and direction for what type of content the general public needs to see or, or what or what does get made so yeah that's, that's a fair point yeah but the, the thing i'll say in in defense of that though and um that this is sticking with the, the star wars thing and i'm not no no spoilers here but um you know the last year's rogue one and then now this year's the last jedi are are very different movies than than what came before and you know I think honestly, had you asked me a few years ago if Disney would make that type of movie, let alone that type of Star Wars movie, I would have said, you know, no, no way in hell would they agree to do that. But they, they've they've taken the series in in a pretty interesting and honestly pretty like dark, mature dark's not maybe the right word, but a very mature direction. And so I I'm I'm not quite as worried about that piece of it and i think bob Iger even said in an interview that he'd be totally open to continuing to make these r-rated marvel movies or yeah r-rated marvel movies like like deadpool which which fox put out um previously so i you know i i don't know i i don't i don't worry about that 
too much. But I think the Star Wars thing is is mainly like I, I think that's a thing where again I hinted at this earlier vaguely, but like I think that's a money thing. I think a lot of people will do a lot of stuff if if you dangle money in front of them. Well, you just you just mean that the creative decision they made is just driven by that's what they think more people will go to you know go pay to see exactly. I think they spent a whole ton of money on on the Star Wars franchise and and their whatever creative direction they think will allow them to churn out a movie a year along with the corresponding merchandise. The, if that happens to be slightly um, diametrically opposed to the uh, family friendly image that the Disney Corporation has, I, I think for the amount of money that Star Wars prints, that that they will they will turn a blind eye to that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's wow. Okay, that that ended up being a lot longer than I expected. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, fuck. All right. Um, let me. This is this is something I. <laughs> this is before we started the show, I had uh, gotten a little angry about something. Uh, my I apologize. My mouse is out of batteries, uh, oh. so every thirty minutes I have to take out the battery. Um, it's kind of like shaking the toner cartridge on a laser printer, because <laughs> uh, right now my mouse doesn't work, so I can't scroll in the, op- the outliner thing. But I think the next thing up was net neutrality how, and how, how we, we wait. How are you? What so? How, what are you using instead of your mouse? No, I just have to take out the batteries every thirty minutes because I don't have any AA batteries in this house. Oh, you got you got to invest in some of those. Um... I'm not using rechargeable batteries. Well, they work pretty well. Why can't I think of the name of them? The ones that everybody They're probably uses. Amazon Basics. No, no. They're the... Um, I should see if I can, like... It doesn't... Oh, it's, it's the, the An- Antelope. The who? A- Antelope. It's like the, the main... Is that the Elon Musk thing? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's making... He's getting real heavy into rechargeable batteries. Well, actually... Huh. He is actually in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I think oh, he is. Man. That's... Yeah, you saw the thing where he he when when UPS did a pre order for a bunch of of his self driving trucks. Thanks. He just wrote on Twitter, "Thanks." Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. What a what a interesting guy. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So so net net net, net neutrality as part of the Trump administration's uh, drive to uh, eliminate and and and, and score, do a scorched earth thing for onerous and job killing internet regulations uh net neutrality has been uh the title 2 classification of communication providers that provide internet service has been uh removed in a 3 to 2 party line vote um so that's great it's pretty good it's you know i my my big takeaway from this which has been a a takeaway from the entire year is you can never rest on this stuff when you when you think an issue like net neutrality has been solved it it it's it's never really fully been solved like you know like we we have to continue to stay on our toes and kind of you know fight for things that we believe strongly in because it, it it they really can be taken away quickly again as this net neutrality story has shown so that that's my that's my biggest my biggest takeaway from it other than the obvious that i think it's a incredibly misguided decision yeah did you did you read the the ben thompson thing uh no i didn't so you probably should so he wrote a controversial thing that kind of cited with Ajit Pai and in the current Trump FCC. 
which so I I read and I don't entirely disagree with. So like specifically the whole thing with net neutrality right now is that um under the Obama administration, which it, it this wasn't necessarily an Obama lobbying effort, but this was uh Tom Wheeler and the old FCC and 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 some probably more liberal uh component of of the regulatory side of things where they wanted to classify uh, internet service providers as title two to provide uh, or to prevent from like fast lanes and um, preferential treatment of different content types and that kind of stuff, because they think that the internet is, is incredibly important, which it is. But um, the whole thing. And, and I think I forgot if this was before we started recording or not, but you, you, you use the phrase light touch. And, and that's the thing that keeps being parroted by the current FCC chairman, uh, which is that, the internet thrived for the past 15 years uh, and, and became such a valuable tool under a form of light touch regulation. Um, and that that economic incentive of not having uh, strict regulation by the government is what allowed this uh, current setup to flourish, which for the most part did not have any major um issues that actually needed to be regulated or uh litigated and 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 ben thompson kind of agreed uh for a lot of things and he said it in a very level-headed way and of course he got a bunch of twitter hate and a bunch of death threats and awful things because everybody on the internet's terrible but his thing was that you kind of because there haven't been any big offenses so far from an economic standpoint you have to think and wonder potentially what is the harm that might be done by creating more regulation and thinking about the stuff that would not be created because of it so do you think that argument has any merit not not a ton no because i think the landscape during which this light touch framework previously worked has completely changed the the line between content distributor and content owner has become totally blurred with NBC, Universal, and Comcast being the most obvious example. So I, I think it I think it's naive to think that because a light touch framework has worked in the past that it's going to continue to work going forward. I think the the biggest the biggest problem that net neutrality faces is the fact that for the most part, I, I know there have been some examples of where kind of the principles of net neutrality have been violated, but but not not ever in a really big way. And 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 that's that's the issue where I think it's it's a it's sort of a theoretical problem or or a a, a future problem. And this is like this this is a this is a weird analogy that I'm I'm somewhat coming with coming up with on the fly. But it's 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 kind of like global warming, where it's it's this problem that's that that a lot of people think is is out there, but it's it's sort of tomorrow's problem that doesn't have any major ramifications today. Although I think I think that's especially in the case of global warming, that's a becoming more and more debatable. But like do, do you kind of know you know what I mean? But it was cold outside. <laughs> and it snowed and, and it's and it snowed in the south so like, I, like I guess like i i it maybe said less abstractly if tomorrow comcast announced that 
they are throttling Netflix speeds by 80% because they can, unless you buy into some ultra high-end package. That would that would piss people off, and that would really kick this debate up. But but since well, that, but that's not like how that, they would do it. I mean, because because like again, when you when you think about that type of scenario, I don't I don't think that's the type of abuse that they would like. What the position that I've held, and I apologize for cutting you off, but like the what because like you say, the content ownership and the information distribution system commingles so much, especially with like a merger happy environment that we have now. They wouldn't do that. Currently in the Bay Area and in a lot of Comcast markets, there's either between a 500 gigabyte or a one terabyte data cap per month. So they wouldn't necessarily throttle down somebody's speeds. I'm not sure that's a strategy that they would take. What they would do is simply exempt data on anything that's an NBC universal property. So if you want to watch anything that's on Comcast on demand or, uh, or sorry, Xfinity on demand, or you want to watch like an NBC.com show, that would not use any data. But as consumer data usage as a whole increases across the board, you then have to be more cognizant of what you're watching so that you don't have to get stuck paying the $50 per month overage rate that Comcast is going to charge you. And then consumer preferences will then be swayed and pushed into watching NBC content because they're afraid of watching Netflix. Hmm. So I I think that's actually a compelling, that's an interesting point that you make, which is that in in the global, uh, the global warming comparison is actually not that far off. Which is it's think it's it's using, well maybe maybe, like it, it's it's thinking about how much of an immediate problem this is versus planning for the future. Right. Yeah, it's tricky, man. And in the Democrats, of course, uh, Chuck Schumer has said that they're going to force. He he's going to try. Actually, can he even do that? Like, can he actually? Like a, a single party can't force something to go to the floor, can it? <laughs> well, when they're in the majority, they can. But no, and in the. In the minority, I didn't think so, but he, I don't know, there there seemed to be some path that yeah, he... He seems adamant that there's going to be, like, an on-the-record vote of, like, who, who's selling you on, who's, who, which congressperson wants to fuck you. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, simultaneous size. That's that's the... Yeah. That's the, that's the sound of 2017. <laughs> not even the, uh, <laughs> not even the latency that we're dealing with tonight could have prevented that. Yeah, because it's just instinctual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, disappointed resignation. Okay, before we get into our year in the review thing that we have to, uh, let's talk about a couple of Apple things. Um, iMac Pro is not out; it's just available for order right now. Like it's shipping, but out out imminently. I think as shipping within the next what five six days, something like that. Yeah, Jason said he's getting his at the end of the month, and there were a few seated out to reviewers. Did we talk about this last week or no? I think it was a online offline conversation, or or maybe we might have briefly mentioned on the show I, the who who keep, who's keeping track. Yeah, so I mean they're they're doing the thing again where it's it they're seeding it to uh, less conventional channels. Like a lot of it's still YouTube people, but it, it looks like this time around because it's more of a professional focused product. They did expand the tent or kind of, or it seems like the people that they gave it to, it makes more sense. Um, it's like. Even people like uh, that, like what threw me for a loop is that they gave one to uh, Cable Sasser, who's one of the uh, co-owners or like lead people at Panic Software, who make Transmit and a lot of other good uh, Mac software, and they've been around for like twenty years. So, like, I guess for me it was reassuring, or that like one of like the old guard style companies actually got some attention. But they also gave it to a bunch of like YouTube personalities and stuff like that. Um, but in this case, 
it, like this wasn't like the iPhone 10 thing where they only gave like um, the traditional reviewers 24 hours with it. Actually giving it to YouTube people actually makes sense this time because this is something where like high performance video editing uh, and like raw computing power that actually does make sense because that is what is very, very important to these people who produce high def video content all the time. So, I mean, the review strategy continues to be what it is. Um, but yeah, I, th I thought that was interesting. And also the product overall seems fine. Again, not for me. I'm not going to go run out and replace my 5K iMac because it's not a product for me, even though I use my computer a lot. Like just spending five to $13,000 on a new computer doesn't, it, it, it wouldn't make that much of a difference for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think this, I think this, review strategy makes a lot more sense in the context of a specialized product like the iMac Pro as opposed to a more generalized product like the iPhone 10. I yeah, I guess I guess I don't really there's not really a whole lot else to say I guess with the the iMac Pro. It's not for people like you and me. It's I think like the what I said to you offline is it, it and, and actually Jason to his credit, he totally I don't know if it was this was on the six color uh secret uh, six color subscriber secret podcast. That's hard to say or upgrade, but he had made the comment that I had said to you previously, which was like, he's Jason's like barely kind of on that threshold where a computer like that makes sense or even for someone like him. I, th I think it ultimately does, but it's, you know, it's like a 51 49 decision. It's, it's like, it's, it's like how we pass tax reform here in the U S <laughs> um, thank you for preempting the joke. <laughs> um, the ice it, habit. Ugh. God, the oh, the sound the sound bite of Paul yeah. Ryan was just oh, it was infuriating. God. Um. <clears throat> anyway. Um. Yeah. And not a lot else to say about the the iMac Pro. It, it's it's obviously it's I'm sure it, it's a great product. It. God, it looks incredibly cool. I'm I'm really not kidding. And this I'm this I'm this is not speaking well to my financial uh, decision making capabilities, but if if they came out with a space gray, just like regular 5K iMac, that honestly, that might push. That's me. what that, you that, push you over the edge. May, maybe two years of me badgering you didn't didn't do it. It looks so sharp, so sharp. Oh, whatever. Oh man, the booerns. Yeah, when you're talking about the financial thing, I was gonna be like, oh, you're gonna add one trillion dollar to your deficit as well. Deficit as well. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, but for me, the the more interesting thing, like I I'm super interested in what the the actual Mac Pro is going to be, because this does look like a very interesting product. I think, um, and this is something that's been covered on ATP at length. I do find it curious that they chose for whatever reason to shoehorn this in the existing 5K iMac um, chassis, like it, of like just why why would you do that for a professional machine? Like it seems like a weird design constraint to force upon yourself when. For pro users, like generally size and space is not a thing, but yeah, I, I'm I'm super interested in knowing what the the Mac Pro ends up being like. The Mac Pro proper, not the iMac Pro. Yeah, me too. I I have a really hard time believing that Apple is just going to put out a totally modular desktop like people want them to. Like I I, I find it hard to believe they're just going to come out with an updated version of the mac pro that we got prior to the current trash can model but but i don't know i mean i guess what else, I guess what else would it be other than that i i i certainly hope so again like but just because yeah the, the the cheese grater mac pro was it was a very very durable and um versatile machine and i, and I, I just 
not everything they make has to be a sleek scaled down uh for a thousand no's there's one yes type thing just make a powerful computer people how 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 else are you going to make these faux productivity apps for the ipad (laughs) you need a powerful computer to do it i guess i'm i continue to be really surprised at the amount of noise there is around products like the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro, especially on sort of more generalist sites like 9to5Mac and even something like Ars Technica. Like the amount of articles written about the iMac Pro and the and the future Mac Pro is just it's so it's it's strange to me because it's such a niche product that I just or a niche product line that I just I I don't know. I it's it it's it's weird to me that there's there's so much focus on on those products when in reality 99 percent of people reading those sites that gets not a product for them yeah but again or i mean i just think that any type of interest in the mac that is not shoving a touch bar into something is progress yeah that's that's fair so can we talk about the opposite of that let's do it i don't hopefully you can explain this to me because i i this came out this morning and i haven't really read too much into it and i just because i i can't I'm sure it'd be it would be cleared up very quickly if I actually read an article about it, but I, I just the, all the headlines don't make sense to me. Uh, Apple apparently wants to like unify development of iPhone, iPad, and Mac apps. Can you explain what this actually is? Well, I I, I don't I don't know if it's quite that general. I mean, I, I think the idea, and this this is a, a Bloomberg article from Mark Gurman, which we'll we'll put in the notes. I think the the idea is that app developers will be able to take the apps that they've written on iOS and like expand them is the word that's used here onto the Mac. Um, but I, I mean, I, I don't know the, the, the Bloomberg article is sort of, it's, it's very, it's, it's general. There's not like a specific, there's not the specifics of how this would exactly, um, work. Um, like the here, I mean, I think like the 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 paragraph here, which sort of highlights the the vagueness here, is it's unclear if Apple's or if Apple plans to merge the separate Mac and iOS app stores as well. But it is notable that the version of the store running on iPhones and iPads was redesigned this year, while the Mac version has not been refreshed since 2014. That's all. It's all kind of speculative at this point as to exactly what it's going to mean. My my take on it, though, other than this being somewhat of a kind of a just a vague idea currently is it's it's also not a new idea and it's also not in any way really surprising like does like does i don't know does like does anybody out there think that apple is gonna just have mac os and ios live in silos forever and not continue to become closer and closer with one another like i just i think i think it'd be sort of naive to think that way raise his hand because i don't again as somebody who has been oddly pigeonholed into using an ipad for the past couple of days like no i don't want that but like because here's here's my misunderstanding which is because does this just mean that somebody is like they're just hoping like for example like as a thought experiment are we just hoping that an, an app developer like the the june cloud software like so the fine people that make uh the app deliveries like they they have an iPhone app, they have an uh, or they have a universal iOS app that works on iPhone and iPad. 
and has an Apple Watch um, component as well. And they also make a version uh, for the Mac uh, for OS X as well. And are they just saying that these would all continue to be entirely separate code bases, but you would then say this app runs on every single Apple device? Like that's the thing I I mean the the right I mean the 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 punchline here again just reading from this Bloomberg article is starting as early as next year software developers will be able to design a single application that works with a touchscreen or mouse and trackpad depending on whether it's running on the iPhone and iPad operating system or on the Mac hardware according to the very famous familiar people familiar with the matter. Oh, them again. Yeah, they they're chatty. Yeah. Um <laughs> they they always seem to be familiar with the matter. Um yeah. The, oh, so, but wait, but that's different then. That's not just universal apps. That's, that's actually like trying to make like you, you write, like that's like the whole promise of Java, like, which is like write, write once run poorly everywhere. But, it, but again, like, I, I think, the, I think the, the problem with this article is that, I mean, there's just, there's, there's no specifics here. And then all, all of this stuff is going to come down to the execution. I mean, this, yeah. Cause I, cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely like I'm. I think one way to read what I just read is the is the Java example, but I, I think there could be a ton more nuance to it than that, which would not at all be like Java. So I I don't know. I think it's it's far too early to to freak out about this. And again, like I I think if I think if you're someone who thinks that Apple's not at least looking at something like this you're living under a rock. I mean, there's just no way that Apple's not thinking about this. I mean, there's, I think there is an absolute 0% chance that there's not Mac hardware running somewhere with a version of iOS or some variation of that. There's just no way that Apple hasn't at least experimented with that. Not, no way suggesting that's ever going to become a thing, but Apple's totally thinking about more and more ways to cross over their mobile operating system and their and their desktop operating system. And again, to to think otherwise is it's 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 short sighted. It's a pretty comfortable rock. <laughs> I get it, but 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 well, I like that. Well, no, I, I'm going to push back on this. I don't actually necessarily entirely believe that. Where because then at that point, I would say that then they're like if that's their thing, then they're just going to eventually uh, double down on iPad. And then eventually they add a trackpad to that, and it becomes more like that weird Jason Snell laptop that he wants. Like that, and then that eventually maybe displaces the Mac. I don't see, like, yeah, I just, I guess I don't, I don't see why you would, and again, this is so early, and this is a weird rumor, but like, I, what is, what is the point of, of the iPad or like tablet Mac, uh, tablet iOS, and mac os becoming more ios like like i guess i don't understand why those would be two distinct things i'm i'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it either and i again like it just it, it's almost it almost seems kind of fruitless to speculate on because it it could be implemented in so many different ways and it's it's impossible to tell what apple's thinking or or, or rather what apple will ultimately roll out they're probably trying lots of different stuff but yeah, that's 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 a good place to <laughs> to to distance ourselves from something that is most <laughs> certainly going to be entirely different in a, in a couple months and or whenever it rolls out. Right. Uh, and then wrapping out the Apple stuff, uh, the iPad is still a bad productivity device. <laughs> that's it. Okay. <laughs> so 
uh, sponsor break. All right, you guys skipped the ad. Thank you. Welcome back. Uh, let's talk about our 2017 year in review because this is our last episode of the year. Uh, yeah, let, let's let's do it. Okay, so we'll we'll probably take turns answering a couple of things. We just have a couple of, like a couple prompts and like questions. So I'm going to ask you. I want to know what you think or what you observed, like what the year was about. What's what's the narrative? What 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 was what was 2017 about, excluding politics? Man, it, it speak is yeah, speaking strictly of under technology. Hmm. Man, there's 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 a lot of stuff to choose from. So if if I have to, if I have to choose one, I mean the thing that the thing that I keep coming back to is Uber, which I'm sure much much to your delight. Like I think I think this year was about how do I phrase this? It, it was about Uber, but I think maybe more broadly, it was about people becoming more skeptical of these big tech companies. Like Uber, I think is 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 probably the best example. But then I think also Facebook and Google, with the and I'm sorry that I am bringing politics in this a little bit, but not directly. But with the, the 2016 election interference, I, th- I think this was a year that people are, yeah, I'll use that word again, becoming more skeptical of these companies and not just assuming that. Like Facebook too, like I think it's, it's, has broadly been for a lot of people. Not I know not for you, but for a lot of people, fa- people view Facebook very favorably and, and think that Facebook's just kind of like a Disney type brand. But I think there's been sort of an awakening in 2017 that that's absolutely not the case. Did I did I make did I make that point well at all? I think it's a complicated a complicated point to make, but I think you mostly. I, I think yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, I think I was trying to distill a similar thought, and what I because I, I spent I spent a few minutes thinking about this, and I think the two words I was able to come with uh, come up with were that like this was a year of like uh, maturation and separation. Hmm. Like so, like there were a lot of things that have been going on for a few years. And I think a lot of that accelerated this year and became a lot more obvious. So I think that speaks to to what you're talking about. Whereas we kind of like so this goes in the in the positive. Actually, I'm not even sure Netflix is a positive, like in a positive and a negative way. Where you think about companies like Facebook, where it's been happening for a few years, but it is it is so dramatically like as that product matures, it has dramatically altered the attention span of the people that use it. And the way that people consume media, the way that people communicate socially, the fact that so many of the properties that people spend so much time on their smartphones with is owned by a single company. When you think that you're using Facebook on your phone, that you get that like uh, push notification addiction, that you have Instagram on there that you're spending tons of time in, all of that is being curated and data mined by a company like Facebook. Like I think that's kind of a maturation of a product that's been 10 years in the making and is actually having real life consequences. So no, I think that that totally meshes with what you're saying. And then and the same thing goes for Netflix where again like I'm somebody who did not think that cord cutting was a thing, but like I thought about it this year, like not that I'm going to because I still like live sports. Excluding the fact that I really hate the Stevo software update, I spend a lot less time on that video input. Like you know what I mean? 
like my TiVo being the the device that's showing video is like it's it's less. There's like I'm I'm a lot of it is based off streaming services, or at the very least, it's stuff that has been like recorded on a DVR that technically I probably could have gotten on an Apple TV. So I think like it is kind of a lot of the trends that have been working for a while becoming like a lot clearer. Yeah, I yeah. I think that, that yeah, that, that's that's really smart. And then I think in terms of like the separation thing, I think that is like exactly the point that you made, which is that it's been it's like excluding a lot of the stuff that the New York Times has reported on. Well, actually no, like they've the New York Times has been doing has crushed it this year. Oh, the, both the, in the, fail, of, the, fa- the failing New York Times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um like when you when you look at the um all the reporting uh like this all like a lot of this started with like the Bill O'Reilly stuff that Emily Steele did for uh the New York Times. But then you think about like all the sexual harassment stuff, the Harvey Weinstein stuff that um the New York Times did, all the reporting that Mike Isaac did uh on Uber. Like there's a just a lot of stories about yeah, kind of dispelling the glowing narratives that were sometimes accepted about a lot of things. Um for so long. And the, yeah, there's a much more skeptical view of many things happening, both about startups, about powerful figures in the world. I think, yeah, I think there's a whole lot. I think good and bad are beginning to uh, not blend as much as they used to. Right. Or are rightfully being separated. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so tricky. Uh, and then in terms of the more. Uh, <laughs> less um serious part of it yeah like I, when you think about like the iphone the iphone is now to this year as a decade old um which i think is just is spooky as hell uh, <laughs> iphones now cost over a thousand dollars and you know tim cook has been that <laughs> for as long as uh um paul ryan has been dreaming of taking health care away from people uh tim cook has been dreaming of thousand dollar iphones <laughs> um yeah, I think yeah. On a maybe like on a, a less serious and, and and kind of similar kind of note, which is like yeah, technology this year I think really it moved in a very obvious direction. I guess like what I mean by that is like 4K became more common this year, and it kind of seems like it's becoming some kind of the new standard across the board, which is like something that like you could see from a mile away like the the edge to edge well it's not really edge to edge but the 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 the, the closer to being edge to edge iphone like we saw we we've been anticipating that forever that happened you know a watch with cellular connectivity a different sized version of the ipad like all of this stuff has been like it has been on the horizon for a while and came to fruition this year. I feel like this this year in a lot of ways with Apple products and, and with technology at large, it has has sort of just gone exactly in the direction that we, we thought it was going to, which I which I think ties back to what you were saying about maturity, where because technology's become more mature, it's become more predictable. But also less predictable in a lot of ways with with like the 
especially like the, the 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 Facebook and Google and just like the social media stuff with with the 2016 election like that that's going to continue I think to be an evolving story and that's that's not something that like two years ago I many people were thinking about you know I think some people were but I some think people not, were not but I think, right right I think it's one of those things that. It's kind of like uh, what is it? A, a crab being boiled doesn't understand that it's gonna that it, that it's dinner. That is probably not how the expression goes. But like you, you know, you slowly boil something, and then it's you just don't know that your brain is being broken to to <laughs> to, to, to accept um, uh, a, a picture post, picture post, happy birthday, ad for shoes, picture post, fake news. Like you know, like just. Yeah, our our brains are broken now, and that's and that's that's what it is. Man, we tried we tried to bring that to a more positive place, and just ended up. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I the, the the internet must have cut out. I forgot the part where you said be positive about it. Oh man. Um. Yeah. And again, yeah, I just think like just um for the last thing about this, like I think it's just uh, and and this goes back to the Disney discussion. It's just the stuff I'm watching is not like I'm not like a like a nine-year-old that just sits there watching Minecraft videos on YouTube all day. But I think, yeah, just, just what I watch and like what, who made it is shifting. I don't know. Like other than like, just maybe a little bit of cable news and um, live sports. So much of the original scripted content I watch is not from the places I watched it five years ago. Like the most recent TV series I really enjoyed was written by Amazon. Uh, special teaser so yeah all right so i'll ask you uh who won and who lost this year not politically <laughs> i mean who lost is obvious it's again bringing up uber i mean they they Did were they? the i think so yeah do you do you still use them well i mean i yeah they, I, they didn't I, lose you they didn't lose me personally but they Seems like they've lost a not insignificant amount of market share. This latest round of funding that they've been trying to do is it, it continues to be a little touch and go, and it is is going to come in at a valuation significantly lower than their last round. I mean, public perception, which was already low at the beginning of the year, has sort of reached an all time low, and it and it seems like it's it's getting worse, not better i mean i guess i guess culturally it seems like things might be at least stabilizing but i mean there was just that news out of the eu today about um how they're going to be subject to the same regulations as taxi companies it's it's just not it's just uber's in a in a bad spot and a lot of it's self-inflicted and i i think because of that they're unquestionably the loser of the year so let me ask you like from like in your social circles like the the whole delete Uber thing, like the, of the people you know, has like actual not just like opinion, like have like actual like economic like what service do I use? Have like I I specifically prefer to use Lyft, and even though I don't use ride sharing all that much, of the people you know, like excluding yourself, have people switched, or do you think just the opinion is lower? Oh yeah, totally. No, I, I have a I have a handful of friends now who only use Lyft. And it's be it's because of the shenanigans at Uber over the last year. <laughs> good good word. Um, okay, yeah, I think that I think that's pretty fair. Um, yeah, and and also just this is obviously like the definition of an anecdotal story. But uh, I I took a lift when I was in 
um, Denver uh, earlier this month and the driver who really nice guy and it was like a 20 25 minute ride so we had had some time to to talk and he was saying that he previously drove for uber and lyft and kind of split his time uh evenly between those two services but that over the last six months he's gone totally lyft and some of it was because of his kind of personal beliefs in the companies but he said also just the the demand is just way higher on lyft now uh, than on uber which I thought, again, total one-off, you know, kind of random driver. But I, I thought it was a, a, an interesting little anecdote that seems to confirm kind of the broader assumption that Uber has, um, you know, kind of hit a hit a snag with the public this year. Yeah. So who is your winner? For for me, it's Amazon. They hmm. they it just it feels like. It just feels like they are the 900 pound gorilla in the room now with the, they, they, they have their claws in so many different things now. And it, for me personally, I mean, they just, they sort of define how I, I shop now for just about anything, whether it be software or household goods, smart home stuff. I mean, you name it. Like Amazon is the first place that I, look and like i don't know like the the way that i think about it too is when amazon first started getting into like the kindle and other hardware you know people kind of started like tossing their name around with like apple and microsoft and all these other bigger tech companies but like they were always sort of kind of the you know, the fifth wheel in those conversations, like they weren't quite on that same level as, as these other companies. And I feel like now at the end of 2017, they, they, they're right there with, with anybody. They're right there with Apple. They're right there with Google. They're right there with Microsoft. And I think their trajectory, like, I I think like they're already there. And I think that their potential, like their potential, I think is arguably the the highest of any of any of those companies i think they still have the most room to potentially grow and not just from like a revenue perspective but from an influence perspective the sky is just the limit with them that is an interesting choice because i think you're right mostly like like that that yeah because the the weird thing about amazon and again this is also um has a ton of parallels to netflix which is you kind of didn't really know what they like what what you should expect until Amazon or Netflix. Like right now, like you just kind of like if anything takes more than two days to get to like Amazon has become like the default unless it's something that's super specialized or I need like literally this minute. Like it is kind of the default retailer for me just because I know like the the whole logistical part of it and and how something gets to you and and the responsiveness and time frame and all that kind of stuff is is no longer a variable like i i'm i'm wary to shop at other places because i kind of don't know it says oh free expedited shipping or whatever like i don't know what that means whereas i know if i if the little thing on amazon says order within the next two hours and 13 minutes and you get this in two days i i other than like weird amazon like actually their first party delivery service has actually gotten a lot better. Um, like I know when it's coming and that's actually affected my consumer behavior a lot. So like, I think that is actually very true. And then when you think about all the other parts of Amazon, like when the, 
uh, Amazon Echo came out, like it was like the response from reviewers and like the technology press and that kind of stuff was like super critical and, and, and it was almost like universally panned. But it's one of those things that has just not come out of nowhere because it because it, it's it's something they've iterated relentlessly on. But like it's it's a product that like people like legitimately love and 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 has even though it it's sometimes still rough around the edges, is still something that's that's very important. So and that's not something you probably would have thought would be coming from Amazon. Or you thought it might have been one of those projects that they've been really really quickly because it didn't take off immediately or wasn't well reviewed right so no i i think i think you're totally right about that and we haven't even mentioned aws which is basically become the backbone of half of silicon valley companies i mean it's just Mm -hmm. it's 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 crazy if you want to talk about light touch and in like in fostering uh innovation like hell, like uh, uh, there used to be. Uh, God, I sound like fucking Ben Thompson, but there be used to be such a barrier to entry, and that and something that secured the position of incumbents because it was so hard to get services online. Because if you wanted to launch a new service, you had to go physically go build out or rent new servers from a company and install a Linux distribution on them, and do all that kind of stuff. And now with AWS running the whole entire internet, you can have supercomputing power that's distributed across data centers globally, and have that work in an instant at a very, very reasonably price that makes you competitive with a Fortune 100 company. Right. Like, that's insane. And up until recently, that was one of the only profit centers of Amazon. Because Jeff Bezos, for 20 years, was like, you know what, we're cool with the actual retail side of things, like retail or e-commerce side of things, barely being a break-even business or potentially being a money loser, whereas AWS was just printing money because they were able to see what people needed way before they actually needed it. Yeah, exactly. And and then you have that once or twice a year where AWS has kind of a weird hiccup and then half the internet's offline, but it's okay. <laughs> um okay, so that was that was your winner. Yeah, I mean for for me I, w- I would say the the winner is probably content creators, uh which which for me would be, would be Netflix and a whole bunch of other people. But also like uh, yeah, the, the the alternatives, the people who aren't the incumbents with with uh that type of content. I think like Amazon is making pretty great tv in a lot of ways um so yeah i i I think yeah cord cutting is going to catch on um and then in terms of losers yeah you are totally right about uber and i think basically everybody who's not a big player i don't know i think it goes back to the maturation thing where it's becoming really hard to launch anything unless you're in a space where there is nobody big already there Mm mm-hmm all right, that's enough of the, the the abstract stuff. Let's just let's do some some quick things. Uh, tell me about some stuff you like. So I really like, and this this flies in the face of you, what you've been saying about the iPad this episode. But I I really like my iPad Pro ten point five. It's a really really good sized iPad. It it feels better in the hand than any other iPad that I've used. And I've I've come I've totally come to peace with how I use the iPad, which is a casual, usually at home kind of lean back device where I look at Twitter or the news or watch a video. When I travel, it's it's obviously my primary device for like video watching on planes and in hotels and stuff. 
Like it, it's just, it's, it, it, when you have that as your expectation for what the device is, it, it works really well. And I think the 10.5 inch is a really, really good device. Um, and then I'm going to leave next week's, uh, show notes and outline to you and you're gonna have to do it in split screen on an ipad and i want to uh let me let me know how that goes well but again that that's not what i expect the ipad to do so it's all it's all in in expectations i think so you so you don't want ios apps on your mac no not especially good good okay and, and i guess the, the i mean if if i'm allowed a second one sure you have your show have to say airpods airpods are they can they continue to be great I continue to have these little moments with them where I just think, man, this is, these are just the niftiest little earbuds ever. And they're, yeah, I mean, they, they continue to be just, just awesome. And I mean, like also falling into the category of it's like most surprising. <laughs> I could not have been like been more skeptical of AirPods initially, but mm-hmm. man, they're great. Yeah. It's probably only going to take two full years for them to come in black. <laughs> I I actually saw someone. I meant to text this to you or put it in the thing. Um, I saw someone that had. Do you think Slack ever gets mad that their their software gets called gets referred to as the thing? The, the thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're it's bad they're, for branding. They're they're not listening. Um, I saw someone with black AirPods. Then it's they they must have been the um like the colorware or whatever that company's called. But man, they were they were sleek. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that can go either way because 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 hmm. anybody who would notice that would know that you had to go out of your way to do that, which is yeah, that's hmm. it's questionable. All right, so before we get to software, my my favorite thing probably this year is going to be something that uh, you you big old pusher did. The LG OLED TV mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is really it's really again it's like, good. It's it's not something that that I didn't already know existed, but I, I it is very appealing to not have to be distracted by bad video quality. Like, because again, as somebody who is fairly uh, picky about color and black levels on a lot of things, uh, it's so easy to be taken out of something uh, by that. And this is not the case on this television anymore. It has a lot. Of, it has a lot of quirks. But it's 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 pretty dang great. And and you're not so you, I guess because you're watching less and less traditional TV, kind of the the compression issue on regular cables not not really a, a, as big of a thing for you. True, and also I guess uh, in the little like o- over coax cable high def video that i've watched it's actually not that bad it seems better than the samsung tv it's still not 4k streaming great but it's it's it seems less bad than the samsung tv eh, i eh, i like i was I, I was watching the daily show earlier tonight and looked look better yeah no it, it sure it did yeah it, it looks yeah i agree it looks better but that that's that's my that's that's my thing that i continue to struggle with is just a, a lot of what I watch, the majority of what I watch still is on regular cable and deep black level or great black levels or not. Comcast still just looks crappy, but yeah. Yeah. But again, it's more stuff for, it goes to 4k and, and such your, your one terabyte video, uh, your one terabyte data cap will go far. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, what do you, what do you like for for software and apps and such? So software, I, I guess there's a there's a a couple. Um, my I think my only two time chef special pick of the year, uh, <laughs> um, watch player. It's it's not the prettiest app. It's super quirky, but it has completely changed the way that I use the Apple Watch Series Three specifically when running and working out. And I just, I love being able to listen to podcasts on the watch and not bring my phone. That's just been fantastic. So that's, that's without question, my, my favorite Omni outliner, I think also gets an honorable mention. I started using that this year and, um, have really, really enjoyed it. Mailplane falls into that same category. I started using that this year and have really enjoyed it. I've I I've I've now been at an employer uh who uses you know the Google app suite um for for a while now for almost a year and um that that's been been huge um I don't think I could ever go back to having Gmail integrated into another like third party app again Yeah I think I think those are those are probably probably the three the three big ones from this year for me Oh, and, 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 and Instagram, I guess, like, I guess I kind of, I guess I got sort of into Instagram more this year and it's been kind of a nice break from other social media. Good. I, I'm, I'm going to take a victory lap because I think I pushed you into most you of those. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good. I think most of, most new software I download is because of you. Yeah. And most new dogs I follow because of you. <laughs> um, actually, that's probably not true. I follow a lot of dogs. <laughs> Uh, but ninety percent of the time, Wilson's great every th- every every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, dude, have you seen the the thing that she's doing with uh, stacking things on his head? Oh, it's it's oh, it's it's just it's the best. He's such a good little dude. He really is. Actually, good good medium sized dude. He's he's a big guy. Yeah. Um. Okay. For me, the first one is actually going to be a product. So this is, this is an app that I've talked about in the past called Little Snitch. Yes, uh, and mm-hmm. it's not for the purpose that you would think. Again, this is something that has uh, again in, in the era of fake news and such. It has helped me restore my sanity because I think the 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 biggest thing that I've enjoyed over the past uh, like three months or so is uh, basically excising a lot of social media and especially Twitter from my life. And because my brain had been broken over the past decade, uh, you kind of need shock therapy to to get yourself out of it. So therefore, a little snitch is something that allows you to one. It allows you. It's it's kind of like a firewall app that allows you to kind of see what's going on on your computer and what's making inbound and outbound connections and such. But it allows you to block domains at a uh, system level. So therefore, I can block uh, Twitter and Facebook from my Macs and. Uh, whether I still instinctively open TweetBot or go to Twitter.com, uh, it will give a uh, 404 and I, I get back to, to living my life. So that's pretty great. And then, um, yeah, I mean, OmniFocus and all that other stuff that I've been using forever is, is still great. But the other app, which was a previous uh, Chef Special, is called File Loop. So yeah, anytime I, I send you a good dog video or something like that, that usually came out of File Loop. Because anytime I see something cool on the internet, it gets saved. And when you have a folder full of 1,200 uh, GIFs and stuff, it's kind of hard to manage that. But File Loop allows you to manage and sort uh, media files super, super easily on a Mac. Good stuff. Yep. All right. So this year, what would you consider uh, a new essential? 
Hmm. Like what's maybe something that is now part of your routine that otherwise wasn't, whether it be a service, a habit, or just whatever. Hmm. That's a that's a good question. You know, I think it's it's the smart home stuff. It was it became sort of just a an interest when we moved into this new apartment late last year. But I really think that this year it's become sort of an essential part of the home with the ability to to dim the lights to comfortable levels, which like in an apartment like ours, just through traditional like dimmer switches and stuff wouldn't really be possible. And then the the Harmony Lady in a Can integration stuff, which we've talked a, a ton about, that's become kind of essential. Like the... The, the the home the home smart home stuff is still still has a long 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 way to go but for me it, i think in 2017 it went from just being sort of a curiosity like it was in 2016 and has become really yeah an, an essential essential piece of the home that's pretty good yeah like it, it, because that's the problem where for a while it had become like a really disjointed ecosystem and it was just like so many different apps and and buggy weird stuff and nothing worked with each other but i think yeah the echo and all that kind of stuff has become like a unifying force where that's it's it's getting more fully baked yeah exactly um for me i think this the only thing i could i could really think of for this one is is the apple watch where i think with watch os 4 and and this has nothing to do with the cellular part of it, but the Series 3 Apple Watch, and this is mainly because I sat out all the other revisions and I still had the old one. Um, the Apple Watch software has gotten more mature, and it's still not perfect, and it's still not what I would say great, but it's it's solid, and the watch is considerably faster, where, as we talked about last week or a couple weeks ago, it's it's something that I literally will have to go home and get if I forgot. So yeah, so that that has become way more essential than it had been in the past. Totally, yeah. I mean, for for me, it already was there, so that's that's why I wouldn't pick it for this year. But I mean, yeah, you're 100 percent right. It's it's uh, it's an essential part of owning an iPhone now. I think. Yeah. Favorite media. What's what's a movie, TV show, new Sugar Ray album, whatever. <laughs> what, like, I what, what, what I I assume they have to. Like they're they're still they never disbanded. um well this i i guess it i guess it technically wrapped up like at the very end of last calendar year but whatever Uh, westworld was was fantastic um stranger things was really really good again i think i guess season one must have technically been last year but season two which came out this year was excellent um yeah, those would be those would be my top my top two without a doubt. Um, movies didn't really see a lot of this year. Didn't yeah didn't didn't watch a ton of movies this year. So it's it's, it's the, t- the TV stuff that comes top of mind. Uh, for me, I would probably say last week tonight is the only thing I can think of that's been consistently something that uh, I look forward to every week even though it's on a holiday break right now uh because in the not to not to bring politics into it but in in kind of the, the the new reality that we live in it's nice to have either depends on how you want to look at it either like an end of week or a start of week kind of just half hour uh comedy thing that reminds you that uh everything is super fucked up and you can uh kind of laugh about it but also kind of think uh 
semi-critically about it, even though I, I do kind of agree that it's liberal porn, but whatever. Um, I, I guess if I if I'm allowed to branch out outside of just you know like TV and movies, I mean the other thing I, I'd have to mention is is Hamilton. I mean I saw that saw that twice this year, and it's been a really long time. Like we're talking about like being a little kid seeing like Star Wars for the first time kind of level where I've been like that sort of like obsessed is kind of a strong word, but just as into something as I've, as I was with Hamilton this year. I mean, the number of times I've listened to that soundtrack is, I mean, man, I just can't even, can't even begin to think of what that number is. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just so good. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, again, if, if we're allowed to include like live performances like that, I mean, it was my, my favorite thing of the year and my favorite thing in many years. The $10 founding father without a father. Uh-huh. It's a pretty catchy song. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, okay, let's, let's get the uh, elephant out of the room real quick before we wrap up. Uh, what do you what do you think of uh, everybody's favorite fruit company? How, how did things fare in twenty seventeen for Apple? I thought it I thought it was a pretty good year for them. I, I they're not a perfect year, um, but I, I think a really a really good year. I, I think the the Mac in particular had a st- strong year. Not only looking at what happened within this year, but going forward, I think they've set up a pretty good path there. I think the the watch has gone in a good direction. I think the iPad has gone in a in a really good direction. I think similar to the Mac, it had a really good year, not only now but looking ahead. Um, I'm a little more neutral towards the iPhone. I mean, I the, the iPhone 10 to me continues to be it, it's a it's a good device, but not a great device. I'm I continue to be a little underwhelmed by it. Um, but I, I think overall, I think the the company had a had a really good year, and I think there's there's a lot to a lot to look forward to them over the next handful of years as a result of what happened this year. That seems fair. I mean, I would, I as always, I, my priorities are slightly different, so I'd probably grade it a little bit more critically. I'm I'm pessimistic on the Mac where I, I think the, the, the MacBook Pro, which was kind of designed effective, the touch bar seems like a, an entirely dead end product for them. Like, do you think that ever gets an update? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't ever see it making its way into uh, the MacBook One or any of that kind of stuff. I think it just fades away because, like, some people have tried to embrace it. Um, like one password integrated with Touch ID and that kind of stuff. But Apple and and Schiller in the interview from like two weeks ago already said that he is like they think Face ID is the future. So I don't see where that product has any and it has anything going for it. Uh, OS ten did not have a good year at all. Like High Sierra was a very weird software update. The APFS rollout was buggy. Uh, it had an update that allowed anybody to have super user access on it like i mean i i think the mac did not have a great year i think the imac pro is slight cause for celebration or or hopefulness but i i don't necessarily see it if they continue to keep updating the mac pro and the the core consumer mac hardware um i i think that might be 
better. The iPhone 10 and that kind of stuff, I think, is is a trickier situation. I, I like I, I I've been on the record as somebody who doesn't necessarily care for the super expensive phone, and I think a lot of the compromises they made to make this product happen maybe weren't the right ones. Like, uh, even though the notch seems to be kind of like a non-issue at this point, I just I just think that it, the maybe it was brought to market a year too early. It just it just it isn't the vision of the future that I think everybody proclaims that it is. I don't know. I, I think they've had a, a a decent year, but I think Apple still has has room to grow in a lot of different areas. Still bullish on the future, but I think it's yeah some weird things. And I think I think just the whole. I think the original programming and like the the services side of things, I think that is a little bit of a distraction. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. All right, and then lastly, what are you looking forward to? <sighs> um, my well, you know, in the in the context of this year, that might be taken as sort of a negative reaction, but no, that it actually is more, um, uh, more, um, just because there is a lot to choose from. I mean, I think for me personally, it's it's the Tesla, the Model Three. Oh, um, do you ready? have an updated ship date? Uh, yeah, it's the first first half of next year. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Have to work out the logistics still, but it's mm-hmm. it's still enough months away where that's not a super pressing thing. Got it. Um. But I think more, I guess more broadly speaking, um, I'm I'm really interested with with the direction of 4K because I'm like you, I put a lot of stock in picture quality, and I I really do want the best when I, especially when I'm watching like higher production TV shows or movies, and so I'm I'm hopeful that we've now kind of turned the corner where 4K is going to become more and more a thing. And I, I hope that that just continues to become the standard to the point where things like HBO Go now are going to offer 4K. And 4K just is going to become more and more just like the standard. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that 2018 is the, the year that that happens. Yeah, I think there's a good shot of that. Um, for this year, I don't, I don't have a lot of lofty expectations. I think it's, it's, we're just in kind of this weird reality where it's hard to predict anything. I think just personally, I'm probably going to just like double down on idea of like just doing less and doing things better. So I think, and I think that's something that a lot of companies are probably going to focus on too. Cause I think that's where, I don't know, like I, I don't think everybody can do everything anymore. I think like more products and, 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 and services and everything are going to like benefit from a lot of editing and not, and I, and I think we're again, going back to the maturation thing. I think we can't. We're we're beyond the point where you throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Looking forward to another year of the daily. Yeah, me too. Oh, how did? Yeah, how did we not? With talking about like. Favorite... Oh yeah. Hold on. Favorite media. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Mike, bo- Mikey B. Yeah, we both totally. That was like the obvious choice that we both just missed. But yeah, totally. The daily. The daily is like one of the best things that happened in 2017. Like period. <laughs> it's, it's really good would you would you take a different president over not having the daily i probably yeah, would but. Yeah. <laughs> um but it's it's been a it's been not not coping mechanism but it's been, but it's been a good yeah i don't know it's it's i really like the idea of something that 
doesn't just recap the news and just give you like, oh, here's like a, an NPR six minute summary. It actually interviews people who told the story, gives more context, and it's actually something that's a great supplement and adds more value than just kind of like just a newscast. It It's so well paced. It has such good variety. Yeah, I mean, Michael Barbaro is fantastic. It's the whole the whole thing, top to bottom, is yeah, it it's great. Yeah, should never be allowed to take vacations, but no, no. And no, he no. actually has taken precious few. So such such a nice guy. I I really hope he never goes into hibernation. Just work him to death. <laughs> he can be like, yeah, no, like let give him like a really uh, handsome pension plan, and just let like just just work, work him really hard until he's forty, and let him let him just coast. Well, we just you know we, he just he he needs to like get on some type of like streak where he can get like a like a record or something for like most. Just, I don't know, give him give him something to shoot for there. Yeah, most uh, see if he can. I don't I don't know. I was gonna try to do a basketball thing, but yeah. <laughs> uh, most most yeah. Anyway, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> All right, uh, we have zero time for news and brief, so we're gonna move right past that. Um, let's do some chef specials and let's, uh, get on to 2018. Let's, right, let's, let's do that. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to close this year out with the kind of the obvious chef special pick and that's, and I, which it hasn't, I don't think been formally made on the show, but it's our beautiful new OLED TV. It's, I'm like you, it's, it's great. Everything looks really good on it. Even Comcast's crummy pixelated picture. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great TV. And I think it's, it was a bit of a frivolous purchase, but I think it's, it's, it's one that we use enough where I think we get enough benefit, benefit from it. Yeah. Damn you. <laughs> um, so mine's going to be, uh, it's, it's an Amazon original. So this is some great content to watch on your OLED TV. Um, I, I find it strange or <laughs> you, you, you always call it o, uh, OLED. I call it OLED. Interesting. Um, it's an Amazon original, uh, series that broadcasts in 4k, uh, it's called the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and it's a really, really good show. And it's only eight episodes long. They're an hour each, no commercials, of course. Um, and it's a really, really funny show about, uh, a housewife in the 1950s whose husband, uh, leaves her and she takes up a career in stand-up comedy uh, it's produced by one, uh, the creator of the Kilmer Girls, I think, and it's just it's it's really 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 good, and it stars. Um, uh, you watched House of Cards, right? Uh huh. I forgot what her name was. I think it was Rachel. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, because her real cause her real name is Rachel too. Yeah. 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 So no, it's it's a really really good TV show. It it has uh, Tony Shalhoub as her dad. It's a super like New Yorky uh, show. With great costumes, very well well done. Yeah, fantastic. And it's only eight episodes long, so I, I think everybody should give it a shot. And oh, you got your new your, your new uh, <laughs> mediocre Amazon Prime uh, app for TBOS to watch out on. Yeah. Is this is this 4K HDR? It is. Oh, very. I kind of was joking, but oh, very. No, nice. no. It, it yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah, fun. Okay. All right, and then lastly, wrapping this up, scheduling notes. 
no show next week. Uh, that's why you got a, a double size one this week. And we will see you all in 2018 if we make it there. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you in 2018.